We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How many fantasy points can Joe Burrow support in Cincinnati? What will Elijah Moore, Deshaun Watson, and Amari Cooper look like in Cleveland? We're talking all that and more on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into... The Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin, one of the owners here at Rotoviz, continuing along with our projection series. Tonight, we are in Ohio looking at the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals. We are in Curtis's home state, but as we've been doing on this projection series, you will only be joined by me. Uh, the caveat here is I have probably recorded this a number in a day, number of days in advance of you hearing this. So if there's been any breaking news that might have changed some of the outlook on this, uh, that is likely not going to be, and I shouldn't say likely, that's not going to be factored into this episode because I would record it if something major happened, necessitating me to do another trial of the episode. In any event, let's get into the projections. <laughs> So, we will start with the Cleveland Browns, who went 7-10 in 2022. Of course, Deshaun Watson did not play a full complement of games. In fact, he saw action in just six games last season. A full season of Deshaun, you would certainly expect changes the outlook for this team. And in my assumption, I have this team now looking at maybe around two more wins in what I'm factoring in for a baseline projection in 2023. That said, the team was at a very high play volume last year, 58 plays above league average. I've actually scaled things back a little bit as we look at the team for the coming season. Nonetheless, though, we finish here with a pretty decent play volume for the team. Deshaun Watson handling 15% of the rushes, leaving a sizable portion there of 85% uh, to be spread among Nick Chubb and Jerome Ford. Now, last year, we saw 
Nick Chubb handled a rushing share of 57%. He was at 56 the year prior. My projections for him have him with a share of 58% this year. And we will look at what happens if you tweak this number. And I also have him with a target share of 6%. Um, This falls in line with where he's been the last couple of seasons. So what's happening here is you have a team with a split that's probably going to be fairly even between rushing work and passing work for the team in totality. We have seen them run uh, a 51 to 49% share the last two years. And if you even go back uh, to 2020, it was at a perfect 50-50 split. So I think the larger takeaway for me here is that you can expect to have a fairly balanced attack. So that gives Chubb a pretty good workload even pulling forward what we saw for him in the years prior, I do expect him to be pretty darn efficient. This translates into almost 1,500 yards for him, 10 rushing touchdowns, adding a receiving touchdown, around 24 receptions, and we end up in that configuration with Nick Chubb finishing as a top 10 running back in my baseline projections coming in at RB10. If you wanted to push back on the rushing workload, thinking that we do not see Jerome Ford get above 20% of the rushing share, and maybe you think you could get it to a 63% share of the rushes for Chubb, maybe we up the receiving work to 7% of targets, then you are looking at a player who is going to finish closer to the RB5. And a downside case for Chubb, maybe he only gets to a 56% rushing share a seven or excuse me, like a 5% receiving share and something kind of crazy happens where his efficiency drops. Maybe you're going for just around four yards to carry the rushing touchdown rate drops and you end with something closer to maybe um, let's call it like six rushing touchdowns. Um, yeah, let's go seven. That That's probably a slightly better number for this exercise. And we call it seven rushing touchdowns. In that case, you'd end up with Nick Chubb finishing at the RB21. Uh, So realistic range of outcomes, probably anywhere between running back 21 to running back five. But I think your baseline expectation for him is probably going to be the RB10 plus or minus um, five spots. As I said, my anticipation would be that you have Jerome Ford getting a decent share of work behind him maybe earning around like a 22% rushing share. Now, that is not going to get him to be particularly relevant, but if he could capture a share of the working, or excuse me, a working share of the passing game, and maybe just get up to like a target share of 6% and um, holds the rushing share of like 22%, What that would swing for him is an RB41 type of rank. So a lot of the utility of Ford this year is going to come from if there is a game here and there where they have to rely on him a little bit more, if Chubb gets banged up or something along those lines, uh, then I do think that he has, and I liked him coming out of school, I think he has the ability to put in some decent performances if that scenario does arise. 
as far as the wide receivers go, you've had Amari Cooper earning a share in 2022 of 26%, went from nine receiving touchdowns, had 1,160 receiving yards. With Watson, I would expect these numbers to creep up. Last year, he was at a target share of around 59%. Would not be shocked in any way if you see that rise up 4 to 5%. Um, I see him earning a target share of around 27%. As a result of this, you could see him get to around 1,200 yards, 9 or 10 receiving touchdowns. Um, without making any major changes to his efficiency, and we're talking around a 10% receiving touchdown rate, 13 yards per reception, you are looking at Amari Cooper putting together somewhere around a wide receiver 14 season this year. So in the ADP that I've seen for him up to this point, it feels a very feels very appropriate. Um, I think he could come in one or two spots ahead of that. Uh, very easily and if we wanted to play with his upside a little bit i'm not sure how much room we have to play with it here maybe you bump him up to a 28 percent target share and maybe you say he even gets up to like a 64 percent um, receiving rate he would stand to gain a little bit of a jump there in terms of points it would move him up um from somewhere closer to like 272 to 288, getting him into the wide receiver in one range right behind Garrett Wilson and Amon Ra St. Brown. Now, the wide receiver two for Cleveland, the last two seasons has earned a target share of 14 and 19%. I think with Elijah Moore coming over, you could expect him right out of the gate in year one to earn a target share of around 17%. I don't see the touchdown volume being tremendously high for him. Maybe four or five receiving touchdowns in a baseline case. Behind him, you have Donovan Peoples-Jones earning a target share of around 14%. Uh, If you look at what Peoples-Jones did for himself last year, recorded three receiving touchdowns, saw that target share of 19%. Now, of course, with more coming in, we're going to expect that to dip down a little bit and has been pretty good in terms in terms of yards per reception. So I have him at 13 yards per reception. This year, Elijah Moore on his 93 targets with 54 receptions finishes in my baseline projections a lot further down than one would like to see coming in closer to wide receiver 63, uh, which is not what you would like to see. And then you have people's Jones coming in, in the seventies. So let's pause here for a minute and think about Elijah Moore. Cause I could imagine getting a decent amount of pushback on that projection. So his catch rates in New York, we're around 56, 57%. Um, one thing you could say is he takes a big jump forward in that. Maybe you put him up to a target share, or excuse me, a catch rate of 62%. In terms of touchdown scoring, he did score five touchdowns as a rookie, only had one last year. My baseline for him only has him at four receiving touchdowns. I will admit now that I'm going back to things, that does feel kind of low. Let's shift him up so that he gets to 
10 receiving touchdowns, or excuse me, not 10, whoa, uh, to six receiving touchdowns with a receiving touchdown rate of 10%. His yards per reception have been between 12 and 12 and a half. I think in the context of the Cleveland offense, I'm not sure that I want to radically change that. So let's leave him at 12 and a half percent. Now, another pickup for him could be, I, I'm just too low on the target share. Maybe he gets to, let's do just do 20%. With those changes, we now have Elijah Moore coming in as the wide receiver 37, which is probably more in line with what people would expect. As I'm revisiting this on air, I think I am going to tweak things a little bit for him, and you'll probably see him fall more into that wide receiver four range in my baseline scenario. Um, We'll close off here with me saying, I think that the total upside you could get for more in a realistic type of scenario would be him finishing as the like right on the fringe of wide receiver three territory, which I'm not sure if there are drafters out there that would be surprised to hear that being the kind of maximum range of the realistic upside that I'm able to get him to. Um, people's Jones naturally here. Um, you're not going to expect too much from, I will say though, I do like him as a later round best ball option. Cause I do think that we see this team have some nice offensive games this year, and that would allow him in spots to have a nice game here or there. Now, Cedric Tillman, the younger player here, the rookie, not factoring in very much to fantasy relevancy. And one of the reasons for that is you do have a tight end here uh, in David Njoku, who is going to control a decent number of looks. Uh, We saw him earn a target share of 19% in 2022. He was at 12% in 2021 with some of the changes there this year, in particular, Elijah Moore getting into the fray. I set Njoku to 15%. He is a player that has a pretty good catch rate. He's going to be above 70% likely. Um, In terms of his efficiency for a tight end, uh, he's been pretty solid. I see him earning around five receiving touchdowns. He was at four last year. These numbers get him to a tight end 10 finish, which is pretty similar to where you see him being drafted. If we explore the upside for Njoku, I do think you could see him get to a target share of 17%, raising him to six receiving touchdowns. But let's just bump it up a little bit more and think about what it would like if he's getting closer to seven receiving touchdowns. If that were to happen, Njoku would take a jump up two spots to tight end eight. Uh, so the long and the short of it for Njoku, I feel like I've been using that phrase a lot lately, but the the summary here on Njoku is looks to be priced correctly in a you know baseline type of season across the league, which we know won't happen. Um, there's a little bit of upside, but not that much. In terms of the downside for him, I don't think it's too much because we're looking at him in the baseline with a 15% target share. And five receiving touchdowns. If you were to scale him back, right? And he only puts up three receiving touchdowns. And I think that's the only real tweak that you have to make here to explore the downside for him. You still end up with him in a similar spot to where we first 
looked at him. So this brings up the question here of what do things look like for Deshaun Watson? And before we do that, I am going to take a minute here just to tweak the number for Elijah Moore because I am feeling like I do need to get his touchdown rate up just a little bit. So I'm kind of filibustering right now as I go in to make that change. I do think I should up his target share just a little bit, as I said. Um, and we now need to move him up. All right, and we're where we should be. If I make those changes now, what we're going to see is, and sorry about this, I got to make one more quick change here. We now have Deshaun Watson passing for a little over 4,000 yards. I did give him 360 yards as a rusher, three rushing touchdowns. He now has 27 passing touchdowns. And among quarterbacks, he comes in just behind Daniel Jones, still behind guys like Tua, Dak, um, and obviously Justin Fields as the QB 13 in this baseline projection ahead of guys like Rodgers and Wilson. I have commonly seen Deshaun going as the QB nine. And I do think that uh, that is a fair spot to take him though. I have guys like Dak and Jones ahead of him in this scenario here with projections. I do think I would rather draft Deshaun then those guys, they're finishing with similar point totals. And I would argue that it is possible that you could realize more upside with Watson if we see him play the way that he has played uh, at prior points in his career with now some more time underneath his belt um, in Cleveland. One of my absolute favorite things in the entire world is attending a live event. The atmosphere, the sound, all the little intricate details you can see when you're there live in person, it is just an amazing time. One of the biggest downsides though of it can be the stress in trying to find tickets before the event to make sure you get the best seats and that is where game time comes in. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for sports, music, comedy and theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you're about to have game time is the place to get those last minute ticket deals and it's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason exclusive flash deals on all the events coming up and you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds two taps and you're set and you can snag tickets today without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and Use the code RODOVIS for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code RODOVIS for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Perhaps the more exciting fantasy team here, although I, I do find uh, Cleveland a pretty interesting team this year for fantasy purposes. We're going to head over to Cincinnati. This is going to be a very competitive team. They went 12-4 and four last season. In terms of play volume, the team was actually 15 plays behind league average last year. They had a 61-39% to 39% split. I have carried that forward, but I do have them going for seven plays above league average. Joe Burrow, as a rusher, actually accounted for a rushing share in the prior season of 19%, was at 10% the year before. I've set it to 14% leaving 86% of the share to go to the other backs in this offense. Now, I can't at this point get a firm grasp on what's going to happen with Joe Mixon and his legal situation and how that could filter into discipline from the league. So we're just going to, in this scenario, talk about Mixon and the other backs as if Mixon is available for every game when we get more clarity, I will on one of the episodes, probably not a specific projection episode, but on one of the regular episodes of the show, talk about how this impacts my projection for the team. If Mixon were to play every game, I think you would see him get to, or the games that he does play, a rushing share of around 60%. In years past, we've seen him at 62%. Uh, last year, 70, 73, 72, 74 So this would be the lowest rate for him um, since his rookie year. His target share last year was at 14%, 9% the year prior, 11% the year prior. I have him with a share of 11%. Average in terms of efficiency for a running back, but he does pick up three receiving touchdowns, which does boost his numbers a little bit. If you look at him across the last couple of years, we have seen him put up three receiving touchdowns twice since 2019 had two last year. So that seems like something that would be achievable for him on the team's 413 rushing attempts. This would give Mixon around 248. He would see 70 plus targets and this would have him finishing as the RB nine. And Yes, there are questions about how many games he's going to be available for, so it's hard to talk about where you draft him. But to me, he's very much an RB1 in terms of points per game. So behind him, I have Chase Brown actually getting 16% of the rushing workload, putting him ahead of Chris Evans. Uh, But no matter how you change things up here, uh, if you get a lot of games from Mixon, neither of them are really that interesting. At this point, I do believe, though, if you look at the Bengals depth chart, you have Chris Evans at RB2, followed by Travion Williams. 
Um, so little of this is, is, is my assumption here that we could see Chase Brown make his way in, given what we know about him and his profile. Um, but when we get more clarity on the Bengals situation in relation to Mixon, we'll have to focus in a little bit more because that RB2 spot there in a very good offense becomes super interesting. Um, so this is something we're going to circle back to. Uh, we definitely will probably in the next couple of weeks. All right. The wide receivers are undoubtedly the most fascinating, or not the most fascinating, the most interesting part of this team here because they are going to score a ton of fantasy points. Jamar Chase last year put up a target share of 29%, dropped down four receiving touchdowns from his rookie year from 13 to nine, went for 1,046 yards. Of course, the man played just 12 games. Uh, had he played an extra five games, probably would have beat his rookie numbers, which were absurd. Uh, Jamar Chase, in my projections this year, is at 28% target share. Uh, will probably catch around 66% of the targets that are thrown to him and should put up more than, well, his rookie year was almost at 18 yards per reception, was at 12 last year. I am expecting a nice year for Chase, so I'm at 14.3 this year, putting out 12 receiving touchdowns and finishing as the R, excuse me, the wide receiver two, about eight points behind Justin Jefferson, but very much uh, in the race with Jefferson to be the wide receiver one. T. Higgins, a little bit more interesting because I think people worry about what this ceiling could look like for Higgins and what his upside is playing alongside Jamar Chase, which are perfectly fair questions. And last year, we saw him earn a target share of 18%. He was at 24 the year prior. I think we see him get back to 21% this year. Um, as we're looking at a baseline scenario, that's what makes sense to me. Um, Nice and efficient as a wide receiver. I think he could get to around 14 yards per reception. Last year, he was at seven receiving touchdowns uh, at six, both of the seasons prior. Uh, I guess you could say I might be going a little bit conservative, carrying forward the six number to the current year. And that gets him into wide receiver 16 territory. No surprises there. Let's talk, though, for a minute about what happens if Higgins could just get to a target share of 23%. Uh, if he does that, you're probably getting him up to seven receiving touchdowns. And just those small tweaks get him into wide receiver 12 territory. Can Joe Burrow support both of these players as wide receiver ones? I actually think that it's possible. And I don't think that you need things out of the ordinary for an offense as good as we expect this to be with two wide receivers as good as we expect it to be to happen. Uh, the downside here for Higgins, though, could be he only gets to a share of 18% for some reason, at which point he is scaled back in terms of your touchdown expectation and also your reception totals. And this actually would push him back to wide receiver 27. So there is certainly some downside for T Higgins this year, uh, asymmetrical to the upside that is there, but I do like him at the 
ADP. And the one argument I would make for his upside, and I've talked about this before, is if we think of upside differently than reaching your max or your like top end realistic outcome, I think though, if you look across his range of distributions, it ends up being stronger than some of the other players around him because A, he is really good. B, it's going to be hard for defenses to really shut him down week to week because they have Chase unless they consciously make a decision to go and shut down Higgins, not Chase, uh, or not attempt to do some mixture therein. And then just the offense that he's playing and just being hard to stop. So I do like Higgins a lot this year. Tyler Boyd. Uh, can he hold on to fantasy relevancy? Uh, Tyler Boyd last year to target share, just 14% did manage five receiving touchdowns, 762 yards. I have him slated for just 14% of shares this year did carry forward though. Five receiving touchdowns. Um, you're expecting this team's probably going to have somewhere between 33 to 36 passing touchdowns this year. As a result, it's not a surprise that Boyd could get to around five of them, maybe 800 yards. And we see Boyd finishing here in a baseline projection as a low end wide receiver for um, fairly in line with his ADP naturally outside of an injury to other players, not a whole lot of upside. Uh, The downside probably at that ADP isn't really too great either. And now finally, we have Irv Smith at tight end. And the tight end one for Cincinnati last year had a target share of 14%, 12% the year before. Um, in 2021, they did have five receiving touchdowns, just two last year. My projection for Irv Smith expects a target share of just 10%. And we'll see what happens if you tweak that, but does kind of balance that with five receiving touchdowns. And this gets him to a ranking here in our baseline of tight end 16. If you assigned him an extra 2% share, he would then become the tight end 11. Uh, so there is a little bit of upside for him against where he's going from an ADP perspective, but I do think it would be fair to push back on those five touchdowns saying, all right, well, you've increased his target share a little bit, but maybe six touchdowns is too high and you need to scale that back at which point you end up with him having 56 receptions, 560 yards, five receiving touchdowns, and then he's moved back just well, actually, it doesn't move him back. He still remains the tight end 11. So a little bit of upside there for Irv Smith. I do find myself attracted to Smith, and I think that in redraft leagues where I'm not going after an early tight end, he's one of those players that I'm going to be looking to mix and match with a couple of other players that you could get later, like a Hunter Henry uh, or maybe even a little bit earlier, Gerald Everett or a Dawson Knox, somebody like that um, on my redraft teams. So this gives us some insight into the teams in Ohio. As I've said, when I get more clarity on Joe Mixon, uh, we're going to go back and revisit 
that backfield. I just don't think it makes a ton of sense um, at this point in time. So I'm quickly pulling up to see if there's any news I missed lately. Um, but as I'm recording this, I don't think that I, I really have any good intel. So appreciate you stopping by for this episode. Curtis and I should be back the day after you listen to this episode, as I'm assuming this is going to come out on a Tuesday and we will see you Wednesday. It is time. It really is just about time. You need to start getting into those drafts, signing up, practicing for these things. We are getting very excited here at RotoViz and hope you are too. Thank you for listening to the RotoViz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.